Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. We're going to be re-releasing an episode today. Recently, we lost a member of the live production community due to an electrocution during uh, load-in. So we thought it would be important uh, to remind everybody of some entertainment electrics basics. And we are re-releasing episode 34, which was released in March of 2021. And it features Richard Kadena, who is a fantastic educator and advocate for electrical safety. He talks about when he goes and trains people who are preparing for the ETCP certifications, that his first goal, and he'll say this in the episode, his first goal is to teach people to be safe so that they go home from their job. And their second is so that they pass the exam. So as you sit here in July of 2023, and it is 90 million degrees most places in the U.S. and much of Europe. Uh, enjoy this blast from the past with Richard Kadena. Uh, remind ourselves all of some safety electric basics and stay safe, everybody. and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. I'm Steve Edelman. And today we're talking about electricity. Who's our special guest, Steve? Our special guest today, Danielle, is Richard Kadena. Um, So I'm going to, yay, is right. Um, Richard is an old friend, and and so this is a real treat. Um, I'm going to tell you a few things about Richard and then kind of get to the point, which is um, Richard's a lighting guy. Um, So here are some fun credentials about Richard Kadena, lighting guy. Um, The first thing that he wants you to know is that he is an ETCP recognized trainer. That is the correct way of saying it. Um, He's an author, and we're going to talk about that. That, um, and among other publications for which he is a columnist, uh, includes Protocol and um, Plaza Media, their uh, Lighting and Sound America magazine. So, Richard Kadena, Lighting Guy, thanks for joining us on the Event Safety Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I, I'm, I appreciate you inviting me. Well, Richard, I'm super excited. Um, it's been a, a couple of years since I've gotten to see you in person because, well, Maybe it's only been a year, but it feels like a very long time. <laughs> feels like 10. Um, <laughs> uh, we're recording this on February 22nd, and you, my friend, are in Texas. How are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, it's been quite an ordeal. We lost power for uh, over 48 hours. Uh, we had no water for four days. Um, we were basically in survival mode, and it was really touch and go for a while. It was uh, so, but we made it through. And, uh, you know, we're, we, we feel very fortunate. Um, it was, it was rough, but you know, some people didn't make it. So you have, you know, my heart goes out to those people and so many people are still without water and, and it's just an awful, awful situation that didn't need to be. Yeah. It's been devastating to watch the results of that storm and the power outages and the, the water problems. It's, and it's so many people over such a huge area. It sounds like quite a large problem which I guess is a very Texas kind of thing, isn't it? Texas, exactly. Very big. <laughs> we do everything um, big. So I, I'm glad you guys got your power back and, and that hopefully everyone is on the, the road back to more stability and heat. Um, so we're actually going to talk about electricity, but not specifically power outages <laughs> in Texas. Ironically. <laughs> 
So the, the first thing I, you know, we've been doing this sort of series where we talk to core disciplines, rigging, electricity. We're getting ready to go back to work, hopefully. We're really darn rusty. What are some of the basic things that we need to refresh in our brains so that when we get back to work, we are still safe on our sites for ourselves, for our performers, for our audience? Electricity is one of those things that uh, if you don't respect it, it will bite you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, Danielle, is the physical aspect of it. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I I was lucky, you know, during the pandemic, um, most of us lost all of our work. I lost all, my entire year went out the window within one week in March. But I got a call from um, a friend of mine who is the head production electrician at the NBA. And um, so I, I was fortunate to get on the crew for the restart of the season. And we went into the bubble in Orlando. And But before we went into the bubble, we went to the shop to prep the gear. And I was loading four out cable into a road case and the road case is maybe weight, you know, slightly higher than waist high and lifting up hundred feet spools, not spools, but, uh, coils, coils. coils thank you. Yeah. Of four out cable is very heavy. Yeah. Four out should be a two person way to hurt your back. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what I did, you know, because I was not, not in shape, you know, so there's the physical aspect. We need to keep ourselves in physical shape and that's challenging, especially when you don't have uh, electricity or heat or, <laughs> or water <laughs> and there's snow on the ground, even in Texas. Yeah. But, you know, so anything you can do, push-ups, uh, pull-ups, you know, you can do, do, do a lot of stuff without going to the gym. You can go jog, get your physical stamina up. Uh, so there's that physical side. And then, the, of course, there's the mental side, too. That's also like the motivation to do things like that has come and gone, you know, some weeks yeah. ago, I'm like, sure, I can do all the things. And others, I'm going to crawl into my blanket fort. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, during the pandemic is actually the ideal time to brush up on your mental skills. And so there's lots of, uh, fortunately, the industry really stepped up when the pandemic started. A lot of companies started offering online training, a lot of it for free, a lot of it really good. And there's lots of opportunity for people to go out and sharpen their skills mentally. We will put some links in the show notes. That'd be great. <laughs> so start, you know, getting back into working order physically wise. So let's mm -hmm. say we get on the job site. What, what are some of the things we need to remember? Of the, well, including ground neutral hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, if, if you're not an electrical person, Richard, why is that order important? <laughs> yeah. Well, so actually the, the first thing to remember is that electricity can be dangerous. You know, it, it is potentially lethal. And we take that for granted because we use it all the time. We think nothing of plugging in a stinger cable or an extension cord and, you know, uh, connecting all kinds of loads, um, you know, doing, doing all kinds of stuff. But it doesn't take a lot of current to harm somebody and to potentially kill somebody. And so, yeah, you have to get it right. And that includes when you make your connections, connect the ground first. And, you know, um, that's I think a lot of it has. Well, grounding and bonding is a whole, you know, we could do a, a, an entire semester about just grounding and bonding. It's it's very misunderstood. Um and a lot of it has to do with the terminology because we, 
you know, the, like if you have an, an extension cord, for example, if you were to peel off the outer jacket in the, in North America, you have a black conductor, white conductor and a, and a green conductor. And we call that green conductor ground, but it has nothing whatsoever to do with the connection to the earth, you know, the ground, <laughs> it's really a bond and it's there in case there's a short circuit to the metal chassis that will cause a circuit breaker to trip. Again, it has nothing whatsoever to do with earth or the, the ground, but yet that's what we call it. And that's why people are confused. So, so can you explain bonding? Sure. Yeah. Bonding is that the green wire, if you look at, so when you plug in, say, take a park hand, for example, you know, lowly park hand, real simple device. If you, when you plug it into its power source inside the power cable, again, there's black, white, and a green in Europe, it will be green with the yellow stripe, but that green wire inside of the can is actually pop riveted or bolted to the metal case. And that's there as a safety valve in case something goes wrong. And what can go wrong is that the insulation on the black wire can break. As it, it, as it gets old, it dries out, it cracks, it crumbles, or it might get pinched in between. You know, if you go to change a lamp and you accidentally pinch the black wire and, you, and it cuts through and it shorts out to the metal case, now there's voltage on the, on the metal. And in North America, that's going to be 120 volts. In Europe, it's going to be 230 volts. And that's dangerous. If somebody mm -hmm. touches it, wrong, you know, you happen to be in standing the above the water or yeah, it's the wrong circumstances. If you have one hand on a piece of truss or a catwalk and the other hand on the, on the, uh, the park hand that has the voltage on it, it could kill you. So the whole purpose for that green wire or the green wire with the yellow stripe is in case that does happen, it will create a short circuit that will cause the circuit breaker to trip or the fuse to blow. And it will clear that fault which is what makes it safe. So we have these built-in safeguards and we kind of take them for granted, but then people do things to defeat those safeguards. Like I was about to say, I was like, sometimes people cut the ground pin. <laughs> they cut the ground pin or they use a, uh, what, what we call a ground lift adapter, which is not really what it is. It's a grounding adapter, you know, but that's what puts people's lives at risk. So, th you know, those are the, the, the most common mistakes that people make. Those are things we need to think about. So respect the power. Respect. Absolutely. You can never let your guard down. Always understand that electricity is potentially lethal and we have to respect it. Absolutely. Steve, you have a question. Yeah, I do. I mean, recognize that this is not my background. So I have a real layperson's question, but you know, I grew up on the show must go on to me cutting a ground wire or a ground pin is the type of thing somebody does when a boss says, oh, you're telling me we don't have the right outlet to, you know, cut what you need to and get it in the wall because we need, is that what we're talking about here? Sometimes. Sometimes it's because something is crossing with the sound system and you hear this. That's the most common problem, Steve, is that when you have an audio system with two or more pieces of gear interconnected with an audio cable, there's a shield. It's called a pin one problem because when you plug in that audio cable, pin one on that three pin XLR connects to the chassis, which is also where the green wire connects and it creates a loop and that causes current to flow and it makes a sound through the sound system. What does it sound like again, Danielle? 
It's a 60 cycle hum. <laughs> it's <laughs> really, really annoying. There it is. Yeah. And, and so almost impossible to find in a timely manner. Yeah. And so uh, typically what happens is that a, um, you know, a band rolls into town. They want to do a sound check at three o'clock. The crew rolls off the bus at 8 a.m. They load everything in. They start, you know, um, connecting stuff, hanging lights and plugging things in. And when they turn it on, they, they would like to get it worked out by lunchtime so they can go have a nice meal and relax on the, on the bus before sound check. But if they, when they turn on the sound system, if they have that annoying hum, now they have a problem. They have to sort that out. So there's two ways to do it. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. <laughs> the wrong way is to cut the grounding pin or to use a ground lift adapter, what we call a ground lift adapter, which is really a grounding adapter. And that will quickly solve the problem, except there's one major problem with that. And that is that it puts everybody's life at risk who, who touches that microphone. And so the right way to do it is they have audio isolation transformers. They're, they're inexpensive, maybe $70. Um, like an IL-19, Sesco uh, IL-19, they're readily available. But the problem is, is that like Danielle said, it takes a while to chase it out. There may be dozens of audio cables. Which one do I put it on? How many do I need? Do I need more than one? Maybe I need five of them. I don't know. And people get impatient and they take shortcuts and they end up hurting people. So the last time that I know of that somebody died was 2014 when a 22 year old August, August, Augustine Briolini, who was a uh, singer songwriter in Argentina, went into a theater to do a sound check and he's an electric guitar player. This is the most common way it happens. Electric guitar players are touching their, their strings, which are, you know, the strings are connected to the bridge, which is connected to the um, audio, the guitar cable shield, which is connected to the guitar amplifier chassis, which is connected to electrical ground. So they are grounded when they touch the guitar strings. Now, if there's a fault in the PA and somebody's lifted the ground, the fault is on the, now on the microphone. So when you touch the microphone, it's deadly. And so um, the, that's why you're putting people's lives at risk. It's not only audio. I've been on lots of shows where um, video department has ground lift adapters for the same reason, because anytime you have, whether it's audio or video gear, if there's two or more components connected by a signal line, that has a shield, you have a potential problem if you lift the ground and that's what's yeah. going on. And, so and you've common. seen this in video. If you've ever been at something and you see a rolling line that cycles up the screen and then yeah. starts again from the bottom, that is that same interference uh, only in video. Yeah. I mean, that's the analog version of it T today. Everything's digital. So it, it might be, um, uh, pixelation. It might be some other form of distortion that, uh, will manifest itself that way. Richard, is this the sort of thing that in the ETCP training that you do that you deal with so that you're actually teaching people not only the right thing to do, but the reasons that it is the right thing and the harm that they're avoiding? Absolutely. You know, the ETCP program was designed to keep people safe and there's a whole curriculum and it, you know, you, uh, there's an outline as far as what's going to be on the exam. When I started uh, teaching prep courses for that uh, 
for the certification exam uh, 15 years ago, my number one goal was to teach people how to be safe. And secondly, it's to pass the exam. I know people come to the course because they want to pass the exam. They want to get ready to uh, take the exam. But my goal is for them to go home at night and not end up in the hospital or worse. So I, we always cover grounding and bonding. We explain the reasons why that, it, uh, you know, uh, but it, it's a, um, you know, I don't think anybody would intentionally put other people's lives at life at risk, but it's just, we need to raise awareness and that is a process. It's a, it's a cultural thing. We, you know, we've always done it this way, Steve, <laughs> you know, um, I've been doing it this way for, you know, uh, 150 years and I haven't been killed. Why should I stop now? So we need to raise awareness. And, and part of that awareness, um, you have to convince them. You have to convince, you have to show people and they have to understand what they're doing um, or else it, it will never change. You know, I was working a show at the Paramount Theater where a touring band came through town. Um, this was maybe three years ago. And, you know, I'm just a crew guy, right? And so we, uh, after the show, we loaded up the truck, we closed the doors on the truck. I came back in to get my backpack and go home. And I happened to notice um, uh, one of the crew, one of the touring crew, crew people scouring the stage. And I went and said, can I help you find something? He said, yeah, I'm looking for the power cord for the keyboard. It's the one with the ground lift adapter on it. <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, slapped my forehead and, you know, and this is, how do you, how do you approach somebody? He doesn't know me from Adam, you know? So how do you tactfully explain to this person that using a ground lift adapter is not a safe thing to do? That's why we have these courses and these classes so that not only can people come in and learn about it themselves, but then hopefully they will go out when they do a show and they see somebody do that. Maybe they'll take the time to explain to somebody why they're putting people's lives at risk. Yeah. So, podcast I, listeners, this is why you're listening to Richard Kadena here on the Event Safety Podcast, because he drank the Kool-Aid well before the Event Safety Alliance existed. You know, this whole idea of teaching people what to do and why. Yeah, we like that. So th this is this is cool. Does the um, culture change and the life safety first? Because what show have you ever been to that was worth dying for? <laughs> right. Really, what show was that? Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, Steve, the show must go on. And I always say, it, but it must go on safely because um, – you know, you're right. We have a culture of the show must go on, but we have to think about safety first. And we have to, we have to think about, um, is this, is it safe for the show to go on? And if not, what can I do about it to make it safe? And part of that is understanding what the, you know, what are the hazards associated with electricity? And that's right. a, that's a big one. That's probably the single most common one that the next one is probably the, the, uh, the use of GFCIs. So anytime you have a show outdoors where there's potential for water and electricity, you know, that, that's not a good mix. <laughs> and so, uh, it, or, or if you have a show on ice, if you have a water effect, if, um, you know, any, anytime you have electricity in proximity of moisture water, then that circuit should have GFCI protection. You know, in Europe, they have fewer accidents because on, I know in the UK, I'm not sure where all 
where else uh, it's similar or it's like this. But in the UK, anytime they have a circuit on a stage, it's they have their equivalent of a GFCI. It's called a um, an RCD, residual current device. And all of their circuits are on RCD protection. So, so they don't have the same kind of accidents that you see in other places around the world because they're much more proactive than we are here. Okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate because I'm old enough to have been told this myself. We don't trust those. They're going to go out in the middle of the show and then we're not going to have, you know, we're going to have production issues because we're using these. What's what's the argument? I mean, other than the very obvious one that no show is worth dying for. Um, yeah. No, you're you're exactly right, Danielle. That's a legitimate concern. They are sensitive. They, all it takes is six milliamps to trip a GFCI. And the last thing you want is, you know, your uh, this happened when I was in high school. I played in jazz band. And we and we got this big show in the Coliseum, and we we're going to be on radio. And there was probably I don't know five thousand people in the audience. And and here comes my big guitar solo, and and I took I hit the first note, and my guitar blew up. You know, <laughs> it was so disappointing. That's the last thing you want to happen in in a, in a show is your GFCI to trip and you lose your you know your key light or your guitar amplifier or whatever. So. So there are things you can do to um, to make to, to make it more reliable, and so one of the things is that they make portable GFCIs. That so, you know, typically you see a, a GFCI in a uh, well. There's all kinds of different form factors. You can get a circuit breaker. You can get a um, you can get a, a lunchbox with uh, GFCIs, or you can get a, um, you know, all kinds of things, right? Triple taps. Um, but if you go online and you Google um, same people that make the cable ramps, uh, who am I thinking of? I always draw a blank, but they, they make a black. G- yeah, yeah, the the cable ramp. Yeah, it's people. like right there. The cable ramp people. It's yeah, in the same yeah. booth. <laughs> yeah, like Yellow Jacket. Thank you. Yeah, Yellow Jacket maze makes a black portable GFCI. And, and uh, I learned about these things because the, when Augustine Briolini died in 2014, I was, I, I felt a certain responsibility to try to prevent accidents like that in the future. So I tried to learn as much as I could about that accident. And I thought, how, what could we have done to prevent, what could have been done to prevent that? And so um, I thought, well, even if somebody lifted the ground, if there was a GFCI, that could have saved his life. And this is a $25 device. At the time, it was $25. And so, um, um, and now you can go down to Lowe's or Home Depot and you can buy one that's yellow, but who wants <laughs> a bright yellow thing on your stage? That's not cool. So I found one that's Then black. you have to gaff paint it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so the, the black ones are, are much better. And, and when I, when I first found them back in 2014 or 2015, they were 25 bucks, but they had, they dropped in price and they got as low as about $15. So, you know, a, a $20 device could have saved a 22 year old, uh, you know, 22 year old Augustine Brillini's life. That's the, and, and all it takes is for people to know about the existence of these things. I always try to carry four or five of them around with me at any time. 
and I will offer them up to, if I'm working a show and I see a, a situation where I think that it could benefit from it here, have this, take this, put it in your, in your kit, keep it with you. This could save somebody's life, you know? So, um, but here's the thing is that there's two ways you can plug it in. One is you can plug in your GFCI into your power distro and then plug in a, a stinger cable or an extension cord into the GFCI and then plug your device into the stinger cable. The other way is you plug the stinger cable right into the distro, the, the portable power distro, and then you plug the GFCI into the other end of the cable, and that eliminates uh, all of the leakage from the cable because the GFCI works based on how much current is leaked out of the circuit, and it's not a lot. It's six thousandths of an amp. It's just a little bit. And as a cable gets old and it ages and the insulation dries out and cracks, it starts leaking more and more current. So a cable by itself could, you could already be at say four milliamps. That means that whatever you're plugging in only has two milliamps of headroom. It's almost nothing. And you breathe hard and it's going to trip the GFCI. So if you eliminate the leakage from the cable, you have a much better chance of not nuisance tripping the GFCI. So that's one thing you can do. And um, the, the other thing you can do is, of course, test it out before your show. Make sure that, you know, that you're, you're good. Now, they do make um, other GFCIs that are less sensitive than that. The, the GFCI, if you go down to Lowe's or Home Depot and you buy one off the shelf or you buy this yellow jacket uh, GFCI, that's a class A GFCI. That means that it has to trip if there's six milliamps of leakage. Um, but they do make class C and they make class D and they make class E GFCIs. Now they're much more expensive. They're industrial GFCIs, but they have um, much higher, a little bit higher leakage or uh, trip, trip uh, values, I should say. So you have more headroom. Now, um, I've not experimented with them yet, but I've recently found some circuit breakers that have a 30 milliamp trip level. So, but they're, I mean, they're not horribly expensive. They're maybe, uh, I think around $70. So my, my goal is to get a couple of them and try them out and, um, you know, talk to some manufacturers about building them into their distros so that we have a, uh, a compromise between, uh, something that might nuisance trip and something that could save somebody's life. Wow. That's, that's great. You know, I'm going to go back and listen to my own podcast just for that part <laughs> and take, <laughs> and take more notes. I'm totally going back and listening to all that. Uh, <laughs> I'll admit this. Um, okay. So one of the things it's less technical, but I think it will affect every that does a show in some way or another is the cable itself. I have to say, cable management shouldn't be so tricky, and yet sometimes it is. I, I continuously see strain and that ski slope effect where somebody is put things just far enough away and hasn't left any slack and they assume that that's an acceptable solution. Well, first of all, you've created a, something that looks terrible <laughs> and something that's a huge trip hazard and also has some electrical 
risk to it, doesn't it? If somebody kicks it out. Sure. I mean, yeah. Anytime, anytime you, you uh, accidentally lose some cable connections, then all kinds of things can potentially go wrong, especially if you lose your neutral or your ground, then you've got, you've got some real issues there, but you're exactly right, Danielle. I, um, I, I, about uh, five years ago, I was at a museum, I think it was in Chicago, and I saw a Rembrandt painting. And if you just look at his signature, it is so impressive. He took so much care to sign his name on it. Well, we're signing our name on everything we do. When we set up cable, we're signing our name to that. Now, it may not say Danielle Hernandez on it or Steve Edelman on it, but people know that is your signature. That is your work. Take some, take some pride in it. Learn to set up a Rembrandt. You can do it. it. All it takes is some care and some patience. I know we're constantly under time pressures mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we want to go to. Well, yeah. We, we want to go to break. We yeah, right. don't want to have to hunt for a longer cable. You know, it, it's one of my pet peeves at work is first of all, I don't want people to trip on cable and I want it taped down neatly because if it's not, First of all, it's dangerous. I trip over chalk lines. Uh, so, so if nothing else, they're trying to protect their boss. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but also, if, it, if it's just a hot mess, it looks very unprofessional um, and distracts from the show and isn't everything we do to, so that, that everyone can focus on the show and not how there's some scribble-scrabbly looking gaff tape or loose cable on the floor. Yeah. Also, you know, just tripping. Well, besides the trip hazard, again, if you, if you lose your neutral, I wrote this article in protocol magazine. I think it was in the summer issue of, uh, well, I I don't remember. (laughs) It was uh, in 2020, but um, it's about what happens when you lose your neutral connection, because your neutral is your reference point for all your voltages. So if somebody trips over a neutral feeder cable and it gets loose or it completely gets disconnected, then um, you could literally have lamps blowing up because these, the voltage is going to be unstable and it can, your zero volt reference can shift. And so that can be a a big issue. Same thing with your ground. If you lose your ground now, people are going to say, well, you know, cam lock connectors, they lock in. Yeah. Except not everybody knows exactly how to connect those properly because, you know, cam lock connectors, you insert them and then you twist them. Mm -hmm. How far do you twist them? Well, that depends on the, the the brand name manufacturer. Some of them twist 120 degrees. Some twist 180 degrees. I got a call one time from a gaffer friend of mine. They're having a big argument on a set of a TV show. You know, how far are you supposed to twist your cams? And he called me up and asked me, and I went, that's a great question. Let me, let me look and do some research. And what I found is, yeah, there's two different styles of cam lock connectors. So sometimes people insert them and twist them, but they don't twist them far enough. And so that's a a bad connection that if you trip over it, it could actually pull it out and cause, you know, just wreak havoc. So Richard, I want to, I want to hear about your book because I have major book envy, but before we get to that, (laughs) 
finish your damn story about your high school guitar blowing up. What'd you do next? <laughs> I, Come on, I you got to finish the story. Don't leave us hanging, man. <laughs> That's pretty much the end of the story. I was just so depressed that I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I was I mean, on the radio. You st- live you're on standing the- there with a guitar that's I'm, not working. What could you do? I, I couldn't play the rest of the gig. My, my amplifier literally, a transistor blew up in it. So, uh, you know, it overheated, blew up. The end of gig for me. The band played on, but <laughs> that was it. <laughs> the band played on. That's the next book. The band played on, but the guitar was. Yeah. See, see, well, Richard, that's very aside sad. from the fact that I wanted you to finish the story, you, you may know ESA collects people's origin stories. You know, the thing that caused you to, you know, the 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 nugget of information that caused you to think about safety as a thing, as opposed to just oh, something bad happened. And, you know, it sounds like this may have been part, at least, of yours. Honestly, uh, no, that didn't that didn't factor into it. What fact what what really started me on this path, Steve, was when I first started in the the, now I've been the lighting. I've been in the lighting industry since Jesus was a boy. But but, uh, one of the first year that I was in lighting, I got a I got a pretty bad shock. And I was I'm really fortunate that. It, it didn't kill me, honestly, because it was a hand-to-hand shock, 120 volts. And I was, you know, I was young and spry. I was able to let go fast enough that it probably saved my life. So, I, you know, I've been aware of the issues for a long time. But here's what really did it for me, Steve. In November uh, 24th, 2014 is when Augustine Briolini died. And that just really hit home because here's a 22-year-old kid who had the world by the tail. He was a great songwriter. Um, he had, they had made his band had made a video. Um, they put it on, on, on the internet and a, um, a filmmaker in Argentina, uh, saw it and liked them. So he, he kind of took them under their wing and they went in the studio to record an album and they were going to go out on a tour. And this was their very first tour stop and he got killed. And I just felt an, an enormous, sense of loss and a tremendous responsibility to raise awareness so that that doesn't happen again. And that's been my mission ever since then. And so every time I have the opportunity, I will, I will talk to anybody and everybody about how we can prevent accidents like that in the future. Well, that, that's a, that's a pretty powerful story. So, Mm -hmm. all right. So Richard Kadena, Tell us about your book. Tell us about your book. It's the third edition. <laughs> well, there's a, uh, there's actually four books, and and two of them have are in their third. All right, now you're just boasting. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your books. But but only, only my groaning bookcase. <laughs> <laughs> only two of them um, are uh, have a, have a life really. The the first two kind of uh, you know they're 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 past they're in the past. But two, so. Um, in 2003, I wrote a book called Automated Lighting, the Art and Science of Moving Light. And uh, that's been revised uh, twice. So it's now in its third edition, which came out, the, the third edition came out in 2015. And then uh, when I started uh, teaching ETCP prep courses, and that would be 2006, I believe it was. Um, so I uh, Jim Utterback from Local 22 in D.C. called me up and said, hey, you wrote this book about lighting. Why don't you come and teach a prep course for ETCP? I said, sure, I'd love to. So I went and taught that 
a three-day class and that led to another, which led to another and kind of snowballed. I never intended to, you know, to do this. But after I did that for a couple of years, you know, a lot of people kept asking me, well, isn't there a book? Isn't there like, where can I go to find a book to, you know, to, uh, to learn this stuff? And the problem back then was there's lots of books. They're just scattered out everywhere. So, you know, good luck finding the information here and there. So, but, um, so I started uh, thinking about writing a book and, and what I, what I always do, Steve, is um, when I wake up in the morning, I write for one hour, three, 365 days a year, seven days, you know, it doesn't matter. I write for one hour and at the end of three years, I have a book. And so um, the first uh, the, sorry, the, um, that book that for the, the ETCP prep course book, so to speak, is called electricity for entertainment electricians and technicians. And it, you know, I hate the title now in retrospect. Um, the reason that, uh, it says electricians and technicians is because in Canada, you're not allowed to call yourself an electrician unless you have a commercial license. So there are technicians, so today I would have, if I, if I had it to do over again, I'd call it uh, entertainment electrics. And that's what I call my courses now, but it is now in its, in its third edition. Well, I say that it's the, the third edition is due out in April of 2021. So I've got the manuscript done. Um, and this, this edition is almost a complete remake. And it's because I've been teaching this course for long enough now that i um, I recognize uh, that, first of all, when I, the first edition of the book, you know, so my background is in electrical engineering. I studied at the University of Texas in Austin. And when I first started writing magazine articles, I thought I had to impress people with my knowledge. So I'd put all these formulas in there, this math and theory and everything. And um, people started coming up to me saying, hey, I saw your article in the magazine. I go, great. Did you read it? And they go, oh, no, it's way too complicated for me. So I thought, well, maybe I better take another approach, you know. So the first edition of Electricity for Entertainment Electricians and Technicians had a lot of theory and a lot of math. And over the years, what I've learned is that people, most people in our industry are not really interested in the math and the theory. They want to know the practical and that's fine. I mean, and some people love the math and I'm more than happy to do it. I, I'm a, I'm a math geek. I'm a nerd, right? So I will go, you know, take a deep dive into the trigonometry of three phase power if that's what you want to learn. But what I've done um, in successive editions of the book is I've kind of reduced that and I've moved it to the back of the of the book into the appendices. So it's there if you're interested in it, but if you're not great, don't, you know, just stop at the last chapter. <laughs> don't go any further. So you organize that very well for guys like me. Well, you know, and there's a lot of guys like you, you know, um, there's a, I don't know if you have, you've ever seen that show. Um, what's the one where the, the guys, the, the IPS driver, uh, King of Queens, there's the king of queens right richard and, you're dating yourself now <laughs> well it's it's in reruns right so uh, my favorite episode of that show is where so the whole premise of the of the show is that the uh, he he drives a ups truck except it's called ips but it's a big brown you know square van and he delivers packages right and so one week they they go in uh monday morning and the manager, the boss, calls everybody together. He says, you know, calls a meeting and he starts passing out this pamphlet. He said, I want everybody to take this home and read it. 
because on Thursday, we're going to have a quiz. And the, the main character, Doug, goes, he says, oh, man, I got this job so I wouldn't have to read. You know, <laughs> I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of people in our industry got, got this job, got in the industry because they don't like to do math. They want to work with right. their hands. You know? And it is, it's nice that you took away the barrier. You, know, you, you have the knowledge to share that will keep people safe. And you have that technical stuff if if you want to dive into that, but it's I've I've found it's helpful. You know, sometimes people will just quote make some models at me, and my mind goes somewhere else. I'm like, no, seriously, I need how to know how it works. I don't need to know the model number. It's the only one I have. Therefore, how does it work? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and podcast Matt- listeners, let me just note: you can't see this, but. Right now, so first of all, we're all wearing black, so that's how you know that we're authentic. <laughs> but aside from that, Danielle is wearing a shirt that has a wrench on it. So she truly lives the things that she does. <laughs> she wants to know how it works. She's literally wearing that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, uh, math is a wrench, so to speak. Math is a virtual wrench. It's just like the wrench you put in your toolbox. It's just another way of looking at things. And and so if if you... Um, you know, people, a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm not good at math. Uh, you know, I don't really buy that. If you want to, if you want to get good at it, you can't, it just takes practice. It's like any, it's a muscle. You're, you're right. Your math skills are muscle. You can practice it and you can get better. But on the other hand, if you're not interested in it, fine. I, great. You know, I would rather be playing the guitar than doing laundry. You know, some people would rather be doing laundry than doing math, you know? So, um, whatever, it's just, mm. a, it's just another tool in your toolbox. Yeah, that both those don't sound great to me, laundry or math, but that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. All right. So we're, we're coming up on the end. So I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you guys want to email us, it's podcast at eventsafetyalliance.org. Love to hear from you. If you like this podcast, help other people find it. Do that thing that you've heard maybe on other podcasts. Go find it, like, rate it, and review it. We would, and tell your friends, we would love them to listen to us too. We still have a few uh, Event Safety Alliance face coverings for sale. Get them before they're gone. Also available at the website, eventsafetyalliance.org. And finally, you can follow us on social media at, on Instagram. And I think that is all of the housekeeping business I have regarding us. Please, you know, Find our dear friend, Richard Kadena, you know, maybe you need a new book. We're starting to do some more book recommendations. So this is a good one. I, I have, I have an older version of this and I'm like, all right, when can I get this one? Not until April guys, not until April. All right. So final thoughts, Richard, as our special guest, what final thoughts do you have for people as they're preparing to go back out into the workforce? Wear your masks over your nose and uh, social distance. <laughs> Um, you know, anything the, about electricity? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that too. That too. Don't lift the ground. <laughs> good, good advice. And Steve, um, under Arizona's um, 
scheme of vaccinations. Um, I am very fortunate to say I had my second vaccination Friday evening. And so I'm thrilled to report, number one, I've had my two vaccinations. Number two, don't be scared of the second one. I had just the same arm soreness after the first one. And other than that, I felt just fine. So get your vaccinations as soon as you can. Contribute to herd immunity. I'm insanely jealous. I don't know when that will be available to me, but I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to getting a shot or two. (laughs) All right. So thank you again, Richard. We're thrilled that you joined us today. Thank you to my co-host, Steve Edelman. And as always, thank you, Jacob, for doing all of our engineering and getting these pushed out into the world. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe out there. Be well.